Our text this evening uh, is John 15, verses 4 through 6. Let's begin our reading in verse 1. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and the men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So by way of review, at the end of chapter 14, the Lord Jesus announces to the disciples that had just celebrated the Passover, the institution of the Lord's Supper, that it's time to leave the upper room. And so as they are traveling to their destination, which is to the Garden of Gethsemane, somewhere in between, we're not really told where this occurred, but somewhere in between, Jesus gives this uh, beautiful illustration and uh, parable of our relationship with him uh, in, in this matter of him being the vine, the father being the, the husbandman or the gardener, and we uh, being his, the branches in the vine. And so um, this, what we have already looked at in John 15, 1 through 3, we've learned that all of our spiritual life comes from Jesus. Uh, that's the illustration, branches in the vine. Um, there isn't any life to the branches unless they are in the vine. And as we'll see here today, uh, abiding, and we're going to talk about what that means, as opposed to being in the vine, what is abiding in the vine? Uh, how is that different? What, what is the distinction between those two relationships? And so uh, the, the matter of bearing fruit uh, is, is that which Jesus is emphasizing. Uh, there is no fruit, there is no life if we are not truly uh, in the vine. And again, in verse 2, it says that there are those who uh, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So we noted that these are not branches that are truly in the vine because if they were truly in the vine, they would bear fruit. The fact that they merely say 
and profess to be in the vine is, is merely a, an outward profession, but there is no true relationship. Otherwise, there would be fruit in their life. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, as we mentioned in Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23. A desire to commune with Christ, to love Christ, to obey Christ, to spend time with Christ. We're going to be spending all eternity with Him. Uh, if we don't delight to do so now, uh, what does that say about uh, where our heart really is? Um, because that's what heaven is all about, spending time with Christ. And so, um, branches that are united to Christ, Jesus says, and are bearing fruit, uh, he will prune. Uh, the Father will prune. Uh, and we noted that that may not be a um, pleasant process when we're pruned. Uh, it can be painful, it can be sorrowful, because the Lord uh, takes us through sorrows, trials, afflictions, uh, so that we don't become fruitless, but rather so we end up bearing more fruit by learning, by growing, uh, by trusting Him. You know, if everything that we ever wanted came to pass, how would we learn to truly trust Him? Don't we, don't we really learn uh, how to trust Christ when we don't have what we really desire in this life. And, we, and if it's something lawful, if it's something good, we cry out to him uh, and, and to pray. And if we are going through a hard time, a trial, affliction, something painful, hurtful, uh, we cry out to the Lord. That's how we grow. That's how we learn in the school of Christ. It's, it's not that, that um, the Lord has nothing to do at all with us going through those trials. He's the one, even if Satan uh, at times is the agent that the Lord uses, he's the one who oversees all of that. He's the one who controls all of that. And he's not taking us, just like with Job, the Lord didn't uh, uh, allow Satan uh, to... Uh, bring the trials that he did into Job's life because the Lord hated him. Uh, it was a test. It was to be able to produce more fruit in Job's life. And I know it's easy for us to look back and say, well, that was Job. But the, the hard part is we have to apply that to our own lives, whatever we're going through. That what the Lord was doing with Job, now we don't have, again, uh, a panoramic view, being able to see the end from the beginning in our lives. We simply have to trust Him, that that's what He's doing. We are in a, one slice of life at a time, and we're going through this, and we're saying, this hurts, this is painful. But what we have to say is, uh, and what, again, as with Job, as with all of the saints of old, uh, God is up to something good in our lives. Joseph said uh, to his brethren in Genesis 50:20, "But as for you, ye thought evil against me because they sold them into slavery. Ye thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much lives, many lives. 
So again, uh, that's, that's again the, the matter of fruit bearing that we looked at last study. Now we're moving on to verses 4 through 6. It's our text. Verses 4 through 6. So verse 4, Abide, <clears throat> Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. Now, this is uh, in a, an imperative form in the, in the Greek language, which is a command. Jesus isn't making a suggestion. It would be nice if you abide in me. Uh, this is an option. You can abide in me or not abide in me. Uh, this is a command for all who are branches uh, that they are to abide in Christ. And Christ is to abide uh, in us. What does Jesus mean when he says, abide uh, in me, and that he will abide in us? What is, what is this referring to? Well, we've already noted in verse 2 uh, this relationship of being in the vine. Uh, we've noted uh, that that means to be united to Christ, to be in union with Christ. We noted last time that our union with Christ is really a summary of our entire salvation from election. Uh, we are elect or chosen. Ephesians 1 says we are chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, before creation. God chose us in Christ, to be in Christ. That's, that's again, um, uh, where salvation alone is found, is in Christ. Redemption, Christ redeeming us, is because we are in Him. We are viewed as being in Christ. He chose us. Those who were chosen, the Father gave to the Son to redeem when He came to this world, the very same ones that He chose in Christ. And then um, uh, those who are in Christ are justified by God, declared righteous. They're adopted into God's family. Those who are in Christ are sanctified. Those who are in Christ are glorified. And so everything we can we could say everything related to our salvation is because of who Jesus is and that we are in him. There is no life, there is no help, there is nothing for those who are outside of Christ. Only condemnation. Everything good by way of our present Circumstances and future is bound up in Jesus Christ. Okay, that that is what we should take away from this this uh, doctrine of union with Christ, being united to Christ, being in Christ. That's what we're talking about. But now we're introduced to this idea of abiding in Christ. So I, I think that moving from union to another doctrine. That's the first doctrine, union with Christ. Union 
presupposes the next doctrine, which is communion. Okay? None have communion with Christ who are not first united to Christ. And all who are united to Christ commune with Christ. And all who commune with Christ bear fruit to the glory of Christ. So, so there is this necessary progression that the Lord Jesus is laying out for us. Union in Christ leads to communion with Christ, leads to fruit to the glory of Christ. Okay, so that's, that's what we're looking at in summary form. We're going to break it down a little bit here, but just want to kind of lay that all out for you so you see that very clearly. <clears throat> so to commune, uh, to abide in Christ uh, is to dwell in Christ, uh, is to make Christ, as it were, our residence to abide you abide in your home you dwell in your home he is to be our dwelling place he's not to be where we have, uh, you know uh, once in a while frequent you know that we spend most of our time you know away from Christ no uh, he's to be our residence our home he's to be our refuge he's to be where we go and uh, with whom we uh, share this relationship. You see, uh, union and communion with Christ is not a mechanical, robotic uh, type of relationship. Union and communion with Christ is an intimate relationship with the living God, with Jesus Christ. It's not, a, it's not a relationship that we come and knock on the door, you know, once every month or, or something like that, once in a while, when we feel the urge. But this is where we live. This is where we abide in, uh, in Christ, communing with Christ. Do we, do we all, to the same degree, commune with Christ? No, we don't. Just as we don't all bear the same amount of fruit. There, there are those who bear 30, those who bear 60, those who bear 100-fold fruit. So there are degrees of fruitfulness. But the question I think we should uh, consider is, why is it that there is this disparity and these degrees of fruitfulness in the lives of Christians. Why is it that some bear so much more fruit? And I'm not talking, when I say bear much fruit, I don't mean, uh, I'm not talking about those merely who hold an office like a minister as being those who bear more fruit because I think uh, that's not the the way we judge whether someone is bearing much fruit. Uh, how do we judge whether someone is bearing much fruit? Well, again, I, I think that we judge it by way of 
uh, other things rather than the office that, it, that he holds. I think that it is based upon the fruit of the Spirit that is manifested. How much of God's fruit, how much of that fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, meekness, that is humility, temperance, that is self-control. How much of that fruit mentioned in Galatians 5, 22 through 23 is growing in my life? Because that's what the Lord looks at. I don't know how to compare that. I don't know how to measure the fruit in someone else's life. I don't even know how to measure the fruit in my own life by way of whether it's 30, 60, or 100. I know that I'm not bearing the, the amount of fruit that I want to bear. I know that I want to grow more. I know I want to bear much more fruit than I do. Because I know that, that bearing fruit and fruitfulness uh, is basically, um, we, could, we could state it in another way, bearing fruit is looking more and more like Jesus, being conformed more and more to His image, thinking and having the mind of Christ, speaking and having the speech of Christ, acting and having the deeds and the actions of Christ, looking with our eyes as Christ looks, hearing those things that Christ would listen to and not listening to the things that he would not listen to. So, so again, fruitfulness really is uh, becoming more like Jesus. Uh, and we have that given to us in, his, in, in the Word of God uh, as far as the righteousness of Christ uh, in his, his speech, his behavior. And uh, that is what, again, that we ought to uh, desire. You see, this relationship of abiding, communing with Christ, it's, uh, it's enjoying it's enjoying a blessed relationship of love with Jesus Christ, pouring out our hearts. You know, you are mo most close to those that you can pour your heart out to, right? That indicates a very close relationship when you can just unburden yourself and just pour out your heart. Don't feel like you have to hide anything that's that's a, that's a close relationship. Well, um, do we have that relationship with Jesus? Uh, we can desire that kind of relationship with others. We can desire, if we're married, that relationship with one another. But do we desire that relationship with Jesus? You see, that's, that's again, ultimately, what we should desire. And, you know, I say this to those who are married, present, you know, those, all of us who are married, who are present in, this evening, but I, I also say this to you who are not married. Um, 
a lot of time can, and good time can be spent in reading books and in premarital counseling and going through important principles related to marriage. And I'm not downplaying because the Word of God is full of wisdom when it comes to how uh, we are to uh, seek to have our marriages uh, to be uh, a, a witness, a light, uh, to glorify God. But I, I share this with you because I, I do believe there's nothing more important in leaving to you who are not only married but unmarried. If I were, you know, after over 40 years now of pastoral ministry, uh, what have I learned uh, about um, successful marriages, Christian marriages? Well, what I've learned is that where there are two people who desire with all their hearts to be growing in Christ, communing with Christ, those marriages are going to see the greatest blessings. Those families, I believe, will see, have you know, the, the greatest blessings. Um, and you know a lot of a lot of time can be spent on you know before marriage financial issues, intimacy issues, um, you know communication issues. Though all those are important, I'm not downplaying any of those. But I if I were to if I were to give one principle, one thing that above all else, I would say to those of you who are not yet married, before you are married, what's most important is that you are communing with Jesus Christ. That you are bearing fruit for Jesus Christ. Rather than, rather than looking for the right person to marry, first of all, be sure that you yourself are communing. That that is the most important relationship that you have in this, in this world is, is with Jesus Christ. Because you will be able then to make the right choice together with your parents. You'll be able to make the right choice as to who to marry because you'll want someone who is also committed to communing with Jesus Christ to whom, with whom that's most important. And I've used this illustration before with, with a, a number of you, but I use it again. Picture a triangle and at the bottom of each angle at the bottom is the husband and the wife. The angle at the top is Jesus. As the husband and wife, they start off here, but as they move closer and closer to Jesus, they're moving closer and closer to one another. And when that bond is there in Jesus Christ, that relationship is there in Jesus Christ, again, that, that is a, 
a, a communion, a spiritual communion that leads to such a communion uh, and bond between a husband and a wife as well. The relationship with Jesus, when we talk about abiding in Christ, is not distant, it's not formal, it's near, and it's intimate. As I said, it's pouring your heart out to, to Jesus. It's, but if we're going to do that, we've got to spend time with Jesus. It can't be something, you know, um, as I said, once in a great while that we go knock on the door. Uh, but uh, uh, rather, it's got to be a, a, a daily, a daily time that uh, we are, and even throughout the day, um, thinking in terms of, I mean, you're, you're just doing certain work and, and uh, you know, whatever your calling is, uh, you're, you're doing that work. It could be schoolwork, it could be um, your vocation, it could be, you know, that you're doing chores uh, in your home or outside your home. Uh, but uh, communion with Christ is not that you simply... You know, at some point in the course of the day, you say, well, I'm going to commune with Christ now. But communing with Christ is, throughout the day, something, you know, you say, you know, you see something to be thankful for, and you just lift your heart in praise and thank you, Lord, for, for this, or some need or some um, burden, and you and you just, in your, in your own heart, you know, say, Lord, um, be with that person. I, I feel burdened for that person, that, that, you know, or you know some difficulty somebody's going through, and you and so all of this is just throughout the day, uh, something that that the that the Holy Spirit is is bringing about in in your relationship with Christ. See, that's communing with Christ because um, it's not like a normal relationship that you have to physically be in the presence of, of a friend in order to commune with them. With Jesus, uh, you're in his presence all the time. You can commune with Jesus wherever you are, whatever you're doing. That's the kind of intimacy uh, that, that he is talking about here when he says, abide in me and I in you. Commune with me as I commune with you. That's what makes, again, the Lord's Day so special is because it is an entire day to commune with Jesus Christ. And if we're not using it to that end, then we're missing the very purpose of the Lord's Day. And the Lord's Day is simply an earthly picture of that heavenly Lord's Day, that heavenly Sabbath, which will last for all eternity. And so if we can't enjoy the Lord uh, by way of setting aside all the distractions and the employments and the recreations of the week on that His Day especially, to spend that day with him, what makes us think that we're going to enjoy heaven? 
when it's going to be an eternity of time or eternity uh, where kind of time loses uh, uh, its significance uh, because again there's no end of simply delighting communing with the Lord um, and with his saints with his angels holy angels casting our burdens upon him seeking wisdom strength perseverance mercy forgiveness comfort courage whatever we need communing with him abiding in him as I said this is a reciprocal relationship not a one-way relationship we abide in him he abides in us the more that we get to know the Lord not simply um, uh, in, a, in a formal way by having our personal private worship but throughout the day again communing with him the more we get to know the Lord the more we trust him the more we know his word and that's part of communing with him as well as is his word it's hard to trust someone that you don't know but the more we know the Lord by way of communing with him, the more we trust him. So again, if we have difficulties with trusting the Lord Jesus, giving everything over to him, entrusting our lives, the delays in our lives, the difficulties that come into our lives, difficult relational situations, Whatever it may be, if we, if we have hard time trusting him by giving everything over to him, I submit to you that it's probably, again, I can't say that it's the only issue, but I think that a, a major part of that probably is because you don't know the Lord or I don't know him sufficiently, that I don't trust him. It's just a, it's just a fact. We don't trust people we don't know, right? And how can we trust the Lord if we don't really know Him? And the more we know Him, the more we trust Him. The more we commune with Him, the more He produces fruit in our lives. The more He produces the desire to bear fruit. And so, um, let me repeat what I said earlier, just again for emphasis. Union with Christ always brings communion with Christ. If there is not communion with Christ, it means there was no union with Christ. Because union with Christ always brings communion with Christ. Now, as I said, there are different degrees of communion. We grow in communion with Christ, but there will be true communion with Christ, wanting to be with Christ. We can always, this side of heaven, grow in our communion with Christ. Every one of us has much room to grow. But all who are united to Christ, in union with Christ, will commune with Christ. All who commune with Christ then will bear fruit to Christ. There is that relationship. Those who don't bear fruit to Christ goes back to, to the fact that they don't they're not communing with Christ 
and ultimately, if they're not communing with Christ, they're not united to Christ. You see how it is um, that progression and that is the nature of this relationship. <clears throat> verse, uh, verse 5. Uh, Jesus says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Now notice uh, here, I mean this is restating what he said in verse um, one and two earlier, but notice what he says here uh, once again, uh, and I think he's he's basically saying this is not a mystery. Um, when you when you see uh, a branch that's withered on a vine, um, or a branch that you know that was on that vine. And it's lying on the ground. Um, is it a mystery to you that that branch that's on the ground isn't bearing fruit? Is that a mystery or is that some huge secret? No, we recognize that unless a branch is in the vine, unless the branch is in the tree, that it's not going to bear fruit. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Um, and communing, abiding in me, uh, and I in, in him, uh, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And so uh, here's, here's a distinction the Lord makes. There's bearing fruit, and there's bearing much fruit. Um, and so I think the question that we need to ask ourselves, are we simply content to bear some fruit in our Christian life and, and uh, just to say, yeah, there's some fruit in my life, I'm content with that. Um, I hope not. I hope that, that if there is fruit in your life, praise God for that. But I hope that that only creates within you the, the desire to bear much fruit, much fruit, to grow. Um, here we have um, another illustration. Is it, is it normal for you know, your child to want to stay you know, the same height, height the same, um, you know, size? Or does your child, you know, thinking of someone, a child who's five or six years old, seven years old, is it normal to say, I, I just want to stay where I'm at. I'm content just to not grow anymore and not age anymore. I'm just going to, I just want to stay where I'm at. I think that's very unnatural if that were the, the way that a child reasoned. A child wants to grow. A child wants to mature, a child wants physically. And so it's very abnormal then for a Christian to want to stay right where they are. One who professes to be a branch in the vine not only wants to bear fruit, but wants to bear much fruit. 
that should be, again, in all of us. And so, um, we should, again, as I said, uh, this idea of bearing fruit is um, we should want to act, speak, think more like Jesus than we do the world, the flesh, and the devil. And what we want to watch on TV, what we want to listen to by way of music, uh, what websites we go to on our phones and our computers, a lot of that really tells us where our heart is. Do we really want to bear fruit for Christ? Do we really want to bear more, more, much fruit for Christ? Uh, because if we do, uh, we're going to, I think, it's going to affect what we listen to, what we watch. Because we're gonna say, is this really helpful? Is this really contributing at all? to anything good in my life for the Lord? Is there anything profitable? Or is this just wasted time? Is this just mere entertainment without real value? Those are tough questions. I'm not, I'm not you know, sitting here in judgment upon you. I'm just saying God's our judge, but you have to ask those questions. Uh, just as I have to ask the same questions concerning myself. We all have to ask those questions. Jesus says at the end of verse 5, For without me ye can do nothing. He doesn't say without me you can do some things. He says without me you can do nothing. Without Jesus Christ, without being united to Christ, without communing with Christ, we can do zero that he will find acceptable and receive as fruit. And yet, the Apostle Paul reminds us in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So without me, ye can do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. As hard and as difficult at times as it is to obey the Lord, because there's a battle, there's a war going on within us, as hard and difficult as it may be at times, to, to do what your parents have asked you to do, as long as they're not asking you to do something unlawful, sinful. As hard as it is uh, uh, to, to love someone who is not lovely or acting lovely, as hard as it is to, to submit uh, to those in authority over us. Um, that's what the Lord calls us to do. Uh, that's what the Lord says. You can do all things. Not some things, but all things through Christ. Everything that he calls you to do, you can do through him. 
And so he's not, when he says, um, without me, you can do nothing, he's not giving us a, a reason to be lazy and to wait around and, you know, for God to pick us up off of the couch and, and move our hands uh, and move our mouth and, uh, and move our feet to the right place where we ought to be. It's not, that's not what Jesus is saying, for without me you can do nothing, that we have to wait for God to literally pick us up. He's saying again, without me, uh, there is no life. There is no, there is no uh, union with me. There is no communion with me. There is no fruit without me. But that doesn't relieve us of our responsibility uh, to uh, call upon him, to love him, to obey him. Doesn't give us an excuse to be lazy. Um, Paul says in first or in Philippians 2 verses 12 through 13 um, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure so we are to work out the salvation that God has worked within but as we work that salvation by way of loving obedience to God, we have to recognize that's not us. That's God working within us, both to will and to do His good pleasure. He receives the glory. He receives the honor and the credit. We can't put a, a laurel, a crown upon our own head um, because we... Um, do that. That ought to encourage us all the more to give glory to God. Verse 6. If a, Jesus says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. So the question arises from what Jesus says here. What if someone professes to be a Christian and yet does not abide in Christ, that is, commune with Christ, or desire even to enjoy a relationship of, of communion and fellowship with the Lord Jesus? What should we conclude, again, about such a person? We don't have, obviously, the... Uh, the ability to make those types of judgments, all we can do is what I'm doing is simply to say what Jesus has said. I'm not, I'm not the, the judge. Um, I'm, I'm called to look at my own life. I cannot, and I can see, and uh, we can inspect fruit. Uh, we are... Jesus says we'll know a false teacher or false prophet by the fruit so uh, in that person's life and that would go as well for those who are faithful uh, teachers and ministers by the fruit so we are called to look at fruit okay that which would be of uh, their character um, their marriage 
they're married, if they're not, they're, they're uh, unmarried uh, manner of living, uh, whether it's pure or not, um, uh, or also um, their doctrine. And so we, we, we can evaluate those kinds of things outwardly, but we can't, we can't see inside someone's heart. God is the final judge, okay? And so the Lord doesn't give us this information so that we can go around saying, you're a Christian, you're not a Christian, you know, by way of judging uh, fruit. That, that's God's prerogative as judge. But what we can say is to a brother or a sister is, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit, you know? I'm not your judge, but where's the fruit? Uh, the Christian fruit, the fruit of being in communion with Jesus Christ, your love for Christ, your desire to want to spend time with Christ at those appointed times, as well as just uh, speaking, you know, a word here or there to the Lord Jesus uh, uh, throughout the day. Um, because he's a part of your life. I mean, not just a part of your life. Um, that's, that's the point, is we should not want Christ to be a part of our life. We should want Christ to be our life. Everything else, then, is to be a part of our life, but Jesus is to be our life. So, this, verse 6, those who do not abide in Christ, that is, commune with Christ, what happens? Well, Jesus, I'm not saying, I'm not making this up, I'm not, you know, saying anything other than what Jesus says. Jesus says, one who doesn't abide in him, doesn't commune with him, uh, is cast forth as a branch, is withered, is gathered up, and cast into the fire, and burned. What's that referring to? Well, um, it's referring to final judgment. It's referring to uh, uh, hell. Those who do not commune with Christ, evidence that they're not united to Christ. They're not in union with Christ. Uh, those who, who are not bearing fruit uh, for Jesus Christ, again, evidence that they uh, are not in communion with Christ, they're not united to Christ, and that they are withered. And the Lord Jesus, again, says they will be gathered and will be cast uh, into the fire. Um, he might have in mind here uh, his betrayer, um, Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot um, uh, was uh, one who professed to be in Christ wasn't truly in Christ. Jesus says in John 6, uh, at the end of chapter 6, that uh, from the beginning he was an unbeliever, he didn't believe in Christ, and was a devil. Um, and, and so um, it wasn't that Judas was a believer and then became an unbeliever. Jesus says he was never a believer. And one again says, why did Jesus choose him to be a disciple then? Well, 
he chose him to be a disciple because the Old Testament said that there would be one who rises up from among uh, his companions that would betray him. Uh, and furthermore, to illustrate how close a person can be by way of a profession and being a part of the visible church and yet not be a believer. A warning. But it also not only speaks of Judas, but to any who pretend like Judas. Pretend like Judas. Very sobering words. As I said, they, it's not because they lost their salvation, uh, but because they were never saved. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, many will say to me, this is Jesus speaking, many will say to me in that last day, Lord, Lord, uh, did we not, and you remember some of the things that, that the, those people will say, they profess him as Lord, Lord, uh, didn't we, uh, prophesy thy name uh, didn't we cast out demons in thy name didn't we do many wondrous works in thy name and what does Jesus say he will say to those um, depart from me ye workers of iniquity not I I knew you once but now I don't know you but rather I never knew you I never knew you you were never one of my own. Though you did, though you claimed to be a believer. What separates those that Jesus turns aside? What separates them from true believers? Again, what? Union with Christ, communion with Christ, fruit born to the glory of Christ. That's what separates those who are true believers from those who are merely professing believers. Union, communion, and fruit. All right, those three. So what do we do? As I said, take this as a warning. Jesus intends it for a warning. There are consequences for all of us who pretend in this relationship with Christ. But also, I want to leave this with you. This is not only a warning, it's a comfort. It's a comfort to our soul that our greatest privilege as Christians is to be in a living, loving, and fruitful relationship with the God who created us, who created the whole world, the whole universe. It is our honor and privilege to be in that kind of a relationship with Him. Who has loved us from all eternity, redeemed us, justified us, and glorified us. See, Jesus does not simply save us to escape hell. Jesus doesn't simply or only save us. That's part of it, certainly. But that's not the, even the most important part of our salvation is to rescue us from hell. A lot of people act and think and preach that that's the most important thing is to save us from hell. No, that's, that's really 
a part of it, but that's not the most important part of our salvation. Actually, the most important part of our salvation for which he saves us is to enjoy him, is to be in communion with him for all eternity. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's our chief end. That's the chief end of salvation. Not to just simply escape hell, but to enjoy forever the living God. Psalm 16:11. I close on, again, this is such a, a beautiful portion of God's word. Psalm 16, 11, Thou shalt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You see, that is the kind of truth that a branch that, that is in the vine, that is abiding in the vine, and is bearing fruit, that is what that branch looks forward to. At thy right hand, or in thy presence, is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, our pleasures forevermore. That's what makes heaven heaven. That's what we long for. That's what we hope for. That's why death, for someone who has that hope, that's why death loses its pain, loses its fear over us, it's the control of fear over us. When that is what overwhelms us. Okay, let's uh, stand in prayer. Our Lord, we thank Thee for Thy patience with us, long-suffering, for we, we are uh, stubborn children. We are willful. We... Uh, we desire to have things our way, and we want, Lord, the uh, most comfortable way, uh, where we're not tried and tested, uh, where, uh, Lord, uh, things are easy for us, not difficult and hard. But, Father, that's not what Thou just designed for us. Uh, it is rather how we grow and are fruitful is through that pruning process. We thank Thee, Lord, for uh, teaching us even this evening again as we have learned, Lord, from reading Thy Word in the, in, in the past, but patiently teaching us that, that uh, those who are truly united to Christ will commune with Christ those who commune with Christ will bear fruit and much fruit 
Lord, we pray that thou would stir us up, uh, that this would be, Lord, our holy desire as we call upon thee daily and even throughout the day as we commune with thee in short little prayers, short little offerings, sacrifices that we offer to thee uh, by way of prayer and communion with thee throughout the day, confessing our sins, rejoicing in thy goodness, praying for uh, uh, others who are suffering and going through great trials, uh, lifting up our, our, our hearts to thee with burdens that weigh us down. Lord, uh, again, that's what communion is all about with thee, delighting in thee, being close, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. May that be true of all of us uh, to the glory of God. Amen.